Welcome to Coffee and Cortisol, your PA podcast. We're coming to you for today from sunny, but a little bit chilly Oakland. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, David, and today I'm joined by... Lagaya. And we're here to talk to you about our clinical anticipation and then hear Lagaya's story and where she's coming from. So sit tight and we'll be right with you. Okay, so today I'm joined by Lagaya. Hi. Welcome, Lagaya. Hello. Um, so we're going to talk about how you got to PA school and talk about your journey. Uh, I feel like that's really interesting mm-hmm. aspects of a lot of our classmates. And so for those of you listening, I want you to kind of realize that there are a million different ways to get to PA school. And uh, let us know if you like this feature. We've been doing it a lot. We won't do it with every guest when they reappear, but at least for the first time, want to just establish that baseline. But I wanted to start out first by talking, uh, I remember, this is, I think, maybe one of my first memories about you. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted you to talk about what your name means. Oh, and yeah. And sure. a little bit of history behind it. I, it's one of my favorite names. So, <laughs> Oh, that means so much, there? David. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my name is Lagaya, and it's actually Filipino, and in Tagalog, our, well, the language of the Philippines, the national language, uh, means happy and joy and yeah, it's quite the name to live up to, can I just say? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what it means. Um, did I tell you that during I think so. I think I, maybe it wasn't exactly orientation, but it was within like the mm-hmm. first week of school. I'm like, oh, that's so cool to like have that kind of connection. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because I, well, my dad told me right when I was born and I came out, I didn't cry. I Ooh, smiled. Wow. So it, it yeah, he was, he was like, Okay, we're gonna name her Lagaya because it was either that or Jessica okay. or Jennifer. Wow, um, which would have been much easier names to pronounce <laughs> yeah. uh, going through grade school and you know getting roll called. But wow, yeah. So whenever like a new teacher or a sub, it's quite call the, roll. Quite the swing on the name like spectrum. No, like. absolutely. Like whenever I hear hesitation, it's like I raise my hand. It's like, yep, that's me. Like I know it's Lagaya. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Do you, did you ever feel as a teenager when you were maybe a little moody that your parents were telling you to, to be more Lagaya than being moody or? Uh, <laughs> I mean, all the time. Were yeah. we all moody? So Right, right. Uh, yeah, I think I got more frustrated with my name uh, in grade school because it's like everyone was named either Ashley, Jessica. There were multiple people yeah. in class. And, you know, that was around the time that you just wanted to fit, fit in. in. Sure, sure. Right. So. Yeah, that was a little difficult, but I definitely owned it more in college. Yeah. It took until college for me right. to be like, yeah, I'm the only Ligaya that you know. That's true. That you is know? so true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so let's dive into how you got to K school, what you decided on, like, how'd you get here? Okay. Um, so I went to UC Berkeley and majored in integrative biology. It's interesting because it's a Bachelor of Arts in integrative biology, yeah, it's a liberal arts school. So they're like, okay, you know, bio- I have no idea. I still don't know to this day. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, I think my interest in medicine started. Was de- I think it was deeply rooted uh, in my childhood. I was. I grew up surrounded by very strong, hardworking, generous women in my family, and most of them were nurses or somehow affiliated in the healthcare field. My mom was a medical assistant for a dermatology clinic for quite some time. So, and my parents emigrated from the Philippines and, you know, in order to jumpstart their life here, 
a lot of my aunties who are nurses took them in and, okay. you know, helped smoothen that transition. So I knew from a very early age or I recognized like how powerful just care, compassion and generosity um, can go a long way to help someone's success, like through this world, you know? So absolutely. Um, Did you, I'm, when you started doing your integrative biology mm -hmm. were you planning on doing PA school or were you just no okay not at all okay. uh, I was definitely pushed towards the healthcare direction before sure. college uh I mean all my aunties were nurses so they're like yeah do nursing uh so it was definitely instilled in me throughout grade school but then I definitely didn't want to be a nurse going into college I wanted to do more I watched a lot, but then again, I watched a lot of like Grey's Anatomy and like House around that time. So I was like, ooh, diagno diagnosing. Yeah. That seems fun. So I think that's what I want to do, be a doctor. I mean, there was nothing else I knew at that Absolutely. point besides nursing and doctors. So I was like, okay, doctor, sure, let's try it. So I was pre-med and it wasn't until my second year of college when, you know, you have to figure out what major you wanted mm -hmm. to do and around that time I was going through like a lot of financial hardships and with my family and a lot of personal things and just like figuring all this out. And my GPA at that time was horrible in all okay. the pre-med leader courses, you know, like physics, yeah. calculus, yeah. man, it was, yeah. uh, Ooh, it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I knew I was not going to be competitive for med school. Um, but then I also, I also struggled with, the fact that I, I had, I knew there was a daunting road ahead. Okay. I have my GPA sucks. So I know I'd have to retake classes, mm -hmm. possible post back. Oh my God. I have to do research. Okay. The MCAT review course, take the MCAT. And then all these like things I knew that I had to do, but I didn't want to do it. Sure. And then I was like, was medicine the right path for me if I didn't want to even put all this work and time energy money into well, this i think we've all had that you look <laughs> yeah at, um, you look at uh, there's just certain times i remember my wife watched a guy who was in business or art i don't remember mm -hmm. what he was doing but he was spending like his whole time in the library cutting out these little like letters to put on a poster because that was their big project for the year and it's just it's oh tough gosh. to look at your friends who are taking uh quote-unquote easier Mm. oh absolutely uh, like business and you know they're going out every weekend and yes. you know when you're you're supposed to be home studying and doing these things to make sure you're on the right track right. like that can be really tough to be that disciplined and not think the grass is greener somewhere else oh yeah no absolutely and uh at that time my core group of friends were all pre-med so it was kind of like we're all in this together sure. we should do it so the fact how many that of them going, actually made it to pre-med all of them actually are oh, really? in med school. Oh, you wow. guys know who you are if you're listening to this. Uh, I'm so proud of y'all, for, for real. Um, but yeah, it was around that time that I was like, I feel like I was going through a midlife crisis sort of thing, yeah. not knowing what to do with my life. So, uh, And also I had no exposure to, personal exposure to the healthcare field really, like besides the personal anecdotes my aunts would tell me growing up or I, I didn't know any doctors or had any relatives who were doctors and I never touched a patient before. So the fact I was going to do all this work, not really knowing I, what I was getting myself into. So I decided to minor in global poverty and practice and put work into like a nonprofit around that time just to okay. channel all this like frustrating energy 
into some meaningful work and possibly get inspired along the way. So I packed my bags and went to the Philippines uh, for a couple months and worked at a rural health clinic, literally in the middle of the jungle. Uh, So I worked with mostly nurses and volunteers in this program. And the doctor was only in like once a week because there were other rural clinics that were 30 plus mile radius uh, around us and they could only be in once a week. So I mostly worked with nurses and not saying I had like an epiphany around that time about like, oh, medicine for sure is the path for me. But I guess you'd say it was like a turning point. Um, I helped a nurse deliver two babies from two moms in a span of an hour from each other. And it was crazy because it was actually on my last day at this clinic um, after my two month stint there that I got to help out with this and hearing from other volunteers who, who worked there before, apparently it was super rare to even experience that. So the fact that I got to help deliver two babies Um, that was incredible. So that was very special to me. And I knew I wanted to be in medicine. I just didn't know like where I fit in. Okay. Um, coming back stateside. So this is the only time I did any sort of research in college. Uh, it was for selfish reasons (laughs) (laughs) to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. So I hopped on the computer onto the internet, Google, YouTube forums. I, researched like paramedic school, optometry, dentist, um, NP and PA. And every, every time I would hop on the computer trying to figure this out, like it would, I would always circle back to PA. Okay. Um, it just checks so many boxes for me. Right. Um, not only the scope of practice, that's pretty much like similar to a doctor, but like the two years of school and possible lateral mobility and, yeah, I'm already indecisive as is as a person. So that was, I was like, sign me up. I'm yeah. going to do this. Um, and not just that in of itself, but like the the end goal of being a PA and what I'll be able to do, but like the process in of itself was very attractive to me. Um, the fact that even if you even want to apply to PA school, you have to do what a minimum thousand hours it depends on the, the school some yeah. don't have any but like they're like really competitive yeah oh okay the school that i like lived like three blocks away from they didn't have a minimum requirement but to be competitive oh. you had to have like at least 600 like everyone yeah. had at least 600 but they care more about gpa than than other things mm-hmm. so it, it kind of there's there's definitely a triangle right, of like right. what schools care about or what you need to focus on but yeah yeah so there, i don't think there's a hard cap or right. basement floor whatever Mm-hmm. But there's there's definitely. I but think to be competitive, yeah, right. Yeah. You have to have paid patient care hours, and I thought, wow, that's great. Like the pro, the program wants you to get your feet wet, to get your hands dirty first before you even go into PA school. So I knew that. Wow, that's amazing because it because that means I would like matriculate into a cohort with other students who came from different backgrounds and with different experiences in medicine and like, that's the kind of environment I want to learn medicine in, you know, Um, like med schools, they don't even require you to do any sort of hands-on patient care experience from what I've seen before. Like most of them came from just doing the classes, taking MCAT research and then get into med school. And like, you didn't have to touch a patient. I feel like I've known that like 
Yeah, that's true. That's hundred percent right? true. And if I feel yeah. like you've seen people who are smart and they know they're mm-hmm. smart, so they are like, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or something else smart that you're supposed to mm-hmm. do with your smartness. <laughs> and you know, you think about that. They go through four years of undergrad, four years of well, two years of medical school, mm-hmm. potentially before they touch a patient. So that's like right. six years of education right. and working towards something before they're like, wait a minute, sick people are kind of gross. And yeah. I think I think <laughs> I think medical schools would really benefit from exposing people to patient care because there's something to be said about when you're like working as a CNA, MA, whatever, and you're doing like, like, you know, I remember times when I was like cleaning diarrhea up off a wall Mm -hmm. because someone (laughs) had an explosive event and just another Tuesday. (laughs) Right. And when you're doing that, when you're doing that kind of work, like you you really realize what you want to do. And if that isn't something you want to do, you're not going to push through those barriers or or things you don't want to do. So I think most schools would benefit from that. So, um, and I think, you know, with regards to the PA kind of pulling you to where you want to go, yeah. you know, I think there's, there's any of these paths are valid. Like they all get you to roughly the same end point, but it's kind of your path in life. I mean, if you want patients, but you don't want necessarily the responsibility of a provider, like nursing sounds great. Oh, if you don't want to like lose your twenties, a good chunk of your twenties <laughs> to being a doctor, like then PA kind of makes the most sense. If you want to have autonomy, be able to do research, like those kind of things, I think MD. So um, even if you're not, sh- if you're still on the fence yet, don't feel like you can only do PA or mm-hmm. you're locked into one thing. I mean, people have different, vastly different routes. So yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so to get my feet wet, I, after I graduated, I became an EMT. So I was mobile in LA County driving an ambulance for a bit. For about three years, I was going back and forth between like being dispatcher in office and EMT in the field. I applied to PA school, didn't get in. Um, How many schools did you apply to? Okay, that's where I shot myself in the foot. Uh, I only applied to three. So, mm. yeah, uh, definitely learned my lesson the first time. I learned a lot, though, from applying the first time. I feel like everyone applies <laughs> at least once, and then yeah. they apply a second time. And, and the thing mm-hmm. is, some schools will give you points for applying a second time. Because there's there's something about perseverance Absolutely. to be said. So that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did that. And then so after I applied, I became a nurse assistant for a cardiology unit at a pediatric hospital. And I did that for um, like two and a half years and fell in love with peds and cardiology and applied to PA school after that. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. So right you did here. two cycles? I did two okay. cycles, yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. So... Mm-hmm. Let's kind of dive into talking about clinicals. Okay. So uh, before we get started, do you have a specialty that you're thinking of? Just Oh, quick? gosh. I feel like it changes every, every day. day. I think initially coming into the program, I, I loved my time as an EMT. So And I loved the, the breadth of cases you would see coming in through the ER door. And um, I, I think I do pretty well in high-pressure situations. So I was like emergency medicine for sure. Mm-hmm. And then as we you know, gone through courses in didactic, I was like, oh, I love, I love kids. I loved my time as a nurse assistant and taking care of kiddos. But then I got to learn more about like peds and our role, you, you know, more into our role, you know, dealing with the parents a lot. And a lot yeah. of the, the psychosocial stuff was absolutely terrifying to me. So then, and then we learned about EKGs and amazing things about the heart. And then a more like looking into cardiology more and, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go into this clinical year just open to every, any specialty. <laughs> That's how I feel as well, because yeah. you just, 
why limit yourself and why you have this amazing opportunity to do nine relatively unique, mm -hmm. you know, situations. So why cut yourself off at one or the other? Right. Um, and that's, that's, I think, probably the best way to go at it. I know some people are like, I hate surgery, emergency only, and uh, mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see how everyone changes over time. And that's, that's why I wanted to ask. So the plan here is we are going to talk about our clinicals because Lagai and I are at the same clinical Yay! to start, which is exciting. Um, and so I'll be able to catch her halfway through our clinical and then at the end, mm -hmm. and then maybe halfway through the year and then like at the end and kind of see how, see that progression. And so we will... Um, keep track. So I, I hope you guys come back and listen to those future podcasts. But, you know, I want to see too how your your view of these different clinicals changes as you get to experience it. Because you might have like, you know, as uh, one of our professors said, this, the clouds might part and you might have that uh, epiphany, as you said earlier. Right. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But let's start off with clinicals. So your first one is? Uh, internal medicine. Okay. Uh, which is supposed to be one of the more difficult ones as far as yeah I, yeah I think it's up there with family med like family medicine and internal medicine so we're starting off with a bang which it's difficult <laughs> because it, it covers everything like like when you do OB or pediatrics like you're kind of focused on very much one mm -hmm. kind of subset of medicine where uh, internal medicine is from pretty much 20 years old ish mm -hmm. to like dead yeah <laughs> so you can <laughs> well, see that's a long a time wide swath yeah yes uh Definitely, it was definitely hard to s sleep every day this week and even wake up with, I don't know, anxiety just because it's literally starting on Monday and it is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's start there. So, so um, let's talk about your, what are you anxious about? What are you worried about? You said you're losing sleep. That's not good. <laughs> it is not good. Even though we don't get that much sleep. Well, I don't get that much sleep. No? No. I, I do better studying at night so I end up sleeping Fair. like at 1 a.m. 2 a.m. even though we have to get up at like 8. Kind of a side note I feel like I study better when I'm like tired a little tired a little mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I, I feel like you need a little bit of that uh, cortisol. Yes. Shout out to the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and coffee. <laughs> and coffee. Lots uh, of that. <laughs> yeah yeah because you just you, if you're like free and it's like oh, I have all the time in the world mm -hmm. you get nothing done and then it's yeah. like it's 2 a.m. Yeah, I, I think I should actually sleep. actively study something. Yeah. Um, yeah, coffee does nothing to me. And I could go right to sleep after five shots Sometimes of espresso. I feel like it's almost an abusive relationship at this point. Because mm -hmm. if I don't drink coffee, there's the raging headache is oh, not worth it. Yeah, that's so got a taper, dude. You keep coming back and it's <laughs> <laughs> cruel mistress. Always keep coming back. <laughs> Always. Uh, okay, but yes, back on topic. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, anxious. Uh. I think imposter syndrome is just mm -hmm. so real. And I know that every student clinician out there has gone through feeling this way. Maybe still feel this way. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've, granted, we, you and I have gone through prerequisite courses. We've been through didactic. I mean, we've gone to PA school. We've been through didactic. We know how to take exams yeah. at this point. And we know how, we know relatively how to study and... I don't know. I feel like the imposter is going to reveal itself during clinicals because yeah. now we have to walk it. You can't, you, you know? can't choose multiple choice. You're going to be no. like, well, what do you want to give them? You got to walk the talk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and regardless of all the OSCEs and simulations we've been through, I don't know. How do you feel like the, even though we went through those oh, terrifying. experiences, do you feel, okay, I feel 
a little better about approaching real patients with like real lives now and real pathologies. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that how I see the first day going is like you're going to be really nervous, like your mm -hmm. first OSCE, right? And then you're going to walk into the room and it's just going to be a regular old person and you're going to talk to that person and you're going to do the things you're supposed to do. You're going to forget half the stuff you should do. <laughs> and that's just unavoidable. And yeah. then, you know, by the end of the day, you're going to have seen your fifth patient and mm -hmm. you're going to be like, okay, I I did it. And and that's what I'm kind of anticipating as, <laughs> as the way it's going to go. But yeah. I, you know, like the, the imposter syndrome, you know, we talked about <laughs> diabetes yesterday and it's like, man, I forgot all of oh this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but it comes back. It does. Yeah. It's, it's like, I learned that. Those were the things that I was going through our, our the lecture boot camp thing yesterday. I was like, okay, I knew that at one point, mm -hmm. but darn, I need to go back. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's, that's the tricky part is we're trying to reconcile what you should know versus like, and you're going to compare yourself to a doctor all the time or, or whoever's your preceptor, I suppose. Right. And they know just that much because they use it all the time. Yes. And last time we used diabetes information was maybe once in a while, but like, when was it? That was spring. Oh my gosh, spring, which yeah. seemed like five lifetimes ago. I mean, I accidentally called didactic year like undergrad the other day. <laughs> it just, it just feels like it's been so long since we've had, since we've been there, you know. So no, absolutely. <sighs> and yeah, even though we had OSCEs with like the standardized patients. So OSCEs, for those of you that don't understand, is an on-site clinical experience. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. So OSCE. So OSCE is what we shorten them to. Every school does them, mm -hmm. and they try and get you ready so you're not just stammering out of the gates when you get yes. get to uh, the, the actual scene of patients. But uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, so, you know, when we would have OSCEs, we know the day that we're seeing these patients. We, we kind of, even though it might be vague as to what cases we might be given, we know there's an endpoint. We know, like, in the back of our heads, okay, this is 15 minutes. There's, so, there's someone on the speaker saying, like, two minutes left. And at the back of your head, it's like, it's safe. It's a, this isn't real. You know, there's, you still have those thoughts and still, you're still in that safe contained environment. And I feel like we're now that all the, the safety net's gone, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That we're, we've been, it's like, I don't know, the way I like to see it or like picture it is that we were baby birds, like reading about how to fly you know yeah. this whole time yeah and then yeah it's like and then they're like all right do it you know what i mean take off you you read all the books um we showed you videos on how to fly um and go and do it that is such a good analogy because <laughs> yeah. you know the, and and the more i think about this you know I, I kind of think about is this the best way to really train future clinicians mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of like reading the manual for your cell phone Mm -hmm. where, right. you know, and, and like you said, like you can read that manual frontwards and backwards and think you know how to do it, but mm -hmm. really reading instructions, how to do stuff. Nope. Sometimes it just, it's, it's, it just doesn't go as well as just doing it and learning it and experiencing it yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good analogy. I really like that. Yeah. But so I, I, you know, I wonder how, how we'll feel after our first clinical, as far as like, were we prepared enough? I know. I mean, they always say we'll you see. are, they say we are, but will we really feel that way? And, and I think 
Like you don't want to be embarrassed either. No, I know, but it's kind of inevitable that. Yes. Yeah, we just we're just gonna we're gonna make mistakes, and we have to accept. I think it was if we just go in knowing that we're not going to know a lot of things and admit that we don't know certain things and but then we would know where to look yeah if we do have a, a question about something and know what questions to ask i think we'll be fine because there's a lot of nuances that we still have to learn about you know like the emr and then like okay where do i take my break and like yeah and we're going to be, it's not just you and the preceptor, it's going to be other providers like medical assistants and nurses and, you know, the administrative people. And we still have to learn how to work with those people. We've only been, it's only been us in the classroom and right. our professors the past like 15 months. So and we had a couple OSCEs with a random nurse or um, like patient parent or something. Mm -hmm. But even it's so, a different dynamic. It's absolutely. Yeah, a nurse taking, yeah, like, okay, what, what else are we going to push into this patient? And then <laughs> uh, and it's, like, on the spot with the patient right there. And it's, like, right. oh, this is uh, interesting. Yeah. How am I handling this? And we're going to be bombarded with a lot of those instances where we kind of have to see how we do on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's an interesting barrier, too, is, is because we're at a different site every five weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, we're essentially have to learn all this stuff again. And I feel like those things kind of for better or for worse, hinder our ability to learn because you're worried about like, oh, wait, am I going to be able to take my lunch? And we got a funny story about that yesterday where it's like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, where do I park? Where do I do all this other mm -hmm. stuff? And, and, you know, those those are kind of barriers that are unavoidable but still are going to be there. And then on top of that, we have to, like, actually try and learn things from patients. Yeah. Uh, but personally, I, I feel like, you know, I know I'm not going to know everything and, and I don't know if I'm just coming to this acceptance, but like, I'm not going to remember everything about everything because that's mm -hmm. just impossible. And, yep. you know, try not to make the same mistake twice. I yeah, think is a I great think that's, goal. yeah, definitely. And then once I experience a disease or pathology, just, you, I have a face that I can apply that to Mrs. Jones or, or whatever. And then just... Mrs. Jones says diabetes and I just learn diabetes and I make sure I have that down pat. And then the next patient I see, try and plan out as much as I can without seeing, without looking and then kind of go from there. Cause I think, you know, we talked about that, how, uh, with the, with the uh, end of rotation exams, how and studying or Karen talked about it with, mm -hmm. you know, do it every so often. Cause the more you retrieve something from your brain, the more it stays. Right. And so the less you have to, rely on other resources or not use it like the better off you are yeah. so but let's is there anything else you're anxious about that you're kind of i mean i think it's nervous and excitement you know the yes. fact that we're not going to be in a building in a classroom with fluorescent lights all day studying i don't know if you can avoid the fluorescent lights. <laughs> okay maybe not you're right but like in or books, being in a building yeah that's true <laughs> That's true. In the same building. Well, we are going to be in the same building for five weeks, but every just, five weeks we get something. Just like I'm, I'm so tired of sitting down and studying things that I could just, when I can actually just be out there practicing it and yeah. learning that way. Cause I feel like that's where I'm going to be able to retain more or yes, learn more. Right. Absolutely. Because with everything that we've been studying, we take the test and then right after 
not saying I cram or anything, but that information's gone and you have to study the next thing and it's prepare so for the fleeting. next test, you know? And yeah, not like you said, like we're going to be uh, practicing and applying cases to people and faces and with certain pathologies. And that's how we're going to remember things and learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited <laughs> for that, for that part. Um, the embarrassing stuff and the instances that I'm going to be like, oh, I, I have no idea, Doc, or I have yeah. no idea how to do this. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always the, the tried and true, uh, oh, wait, I, uh, I I just can't think of the name, but it's yeah. that thing it's that... Uh, the uh, thing, uh, the uh, thing, and the uh, thing. <laughs> Max is like, yes. Uh-huh, yes, that's yes. what was at the tip of my tongue, yes. I was, I was talking to a third year, so third years are like just about to graduate or did graduate just a few months ago, mm-hmm. a month ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kevin, and he was saying that he felt like he knew nothing when he started clinic. And I think he's probably one right. of the smarter people in their class. And by the end, he's like, you learn so much during clinical years. So I think that's something important to keep in mind is that while it seems like we don't know anything, mm-hmm. like we're going to do so much learning within yeah. the next year. And if you remember like how first day of PA school, how much you and I have learned I know it's since crazy. that point it's crazy. to now. It's kind of unbelievable, let alone what we're going to learn this whole year. And then graduation, December. <laughs> I know. That seems like it's <laughs> unreal that it's 11 months unreal, away. Unreal. I know. Almost 10. Well, it's like 10 and a half. Oh, my gosh. Because we're almost in February now. Oh. I don't know when this podcast is going to release, but. Yeah. Yeah. So. Whew. What a road ahead. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a break. Uh, so earlier you mentioned something about like a TB test that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So (laughs) I went for one of our clinical sites. We have to do this TB test, which I'm sure I'm going to have to do like 18 more this year. But anyway, so I, I go there and the person giving me the TB is wearing this, um, Academy shirt. And Mm -hmm. so I know she's a student and then there's another nurse like hovering over her, watching her do this TV test. And it was kind of an interesting thought and maybe a very hypocritical one, but I'm like a student day, (laughs) 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 which is, uh, wait, did you ask if, is this your first time doing this? Uh, I didn't have to because the nurse was like, so you need to put it right here and Mm. then inject it. Mm. And you know, it's one of those things where, as students, like we're, we're thinking like we're, somebody's going to be our first lumbar puncture and we might have to explain to them that it is our first lumbar puncture. Right. And it was interesting to kind of not want the student, even though it was something as, as trivial as a TB test. Right. Let alone being the actual patient that needs it, needs a lumbar puncture and knowing that a student's going to be doing it. Right. Oof. And so yeah. I think, I think it just kind of made me consider things that are, things I want to convey or, or I don't want to say hide from my patient, but not exactly convey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, just certain things like um, you could tell she was just a little nervous mm-hmm. and her, her like system for doing it was a little slow too. So just, right. um, I think having that confidence is something important to like consider, you know? Yes, absolutely. So I don't know. It was just interesting thought that I, didn't want a student despite the fact that I'm going to be the student needing to do this stuff in Mm -hmm. what four days five days yep (laughs) that's that's terrifying yes I know it'll be good I'm not I'm not 
overly worried just to kind of wrap up this podcast. But I think I think this will be a really, really fun, at least five weeks we're together, maybe 10, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll yeah. kind of see how that works out. But we'll we'll see how this goes and we'll check in in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank the guy. you so much for having me. This is this is great. This is really fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll definitely have you back in a couple weeks. Okay. All right. Let's see thanks. what happens. Thanks, Makaya. <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. So, for those of you who are uh, still with us. Uh, we will be doing, um, I know we said our Q&A episode was going to be episode 10. So if you're looking for that, I do apologize. Um, just with, again, some scheduling conflicts with Rosie, uh, we are going to push that back so that we can uh, make sure we can do that, the, the full justice that it deserves. So um, we still have room for questions. So please send those in and we'll, we'll pick out our, our best ones that we can do. Um, speaking of Rosie, she'll be back next episode. So we are eagerly awaiting her return and we hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.